Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Father, I just want to thank you because I'm anointed to teach. I thank you because I'm anointed to just impact your word tonight. And I pray that your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray, Father God, that our heart is enlightened. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. All right, so we, we, we are talking about secret to greatness, right? We're still, we're still there because the Holy Ghost wants us to camp there for a moment, so we're still there. Let's go to Acts chapter 13 and verse 36. Uh, we'll just do a bit of review quickly and, and build on that. Acts chapter 13 and verse 36. The first thing that we highlighted in this series is to understand what greatness is. And our conclusion is that greatness is fulfilling God's plan for your life. Praise God. Fulfilling exactly what God has called you to do. Now, in doing that, <laughs> it, it, now how do you measure it? In our world today, how do we measure greatness? The man has a lot of money, he has a lot of cars, he has this, he has that. But that's not how God measures greatness. How does God measure greatness? Fulfilling his plan for your life. That plan might lead you to have abundance of stuff or less but it doesn't matter because what matters is are you doing exactly what God asked you to do? You see, that's the question I'm beginning to ask a lot of people and it is very sad that a lot of believers cannot look at you in the face and say, yes, I'm doing what God asked me to do. You know what I find out? Today, what actually is leading us is money. That's it. That's what's, that's what's leading a lot of children of God. They don't even pray about stuff. They don't even know if God wants them to be there. The one question that comes to everyone, how do I feed myself? How do I feed my family? How do I take care of responsibility? How do I do this? You know, we almost make this statement and we throw away the fact that we'll stand before God one day and we're not going to explain to God that all we lived for was to feed family. There's a purpose for your life. There's an assignment. There's a plan. And I cannot call you a great man if you're not on that plan. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? So for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God. Powerful statement. This was how the life of David was summarized. That he served his own generation. He was a servant. And he did it by the will of God. It was because God wanted him to serve in that capacity. That's how David served. That's why David served. The greatness. Imagine when, when, when they were talking about David in the book of Acts. Nothing about what he owned was mentioned. How many of you know David was a wealthy king? Remember when the Lord told him not to even build the tabernacle? You remember what happened? He said of his own proper good. He gave so much. To the building of the tabernacle. But you see, when they're talking about David in Acts chapter 13, verse 36, they didn't tell us how much he gave. 
They didn't tell us the battles he won, the chariots he rode on, the clothes he wore, right? They didn't even tell us the wives he had and the children he had. Because wife family is important, some of us at the expense of fulfilling purpose have put family first. Yeah. I know that's not conventional, but there's a degree of hatred you need to have for yourself, for your family, to be able to do what God has asked you to do. Because sometimes, some of the greatest hindrances to fulfilling God's plan for your life is going to be family. Praise God. Yeah. I remember when we were getting married, that was the first thing myself and my wife settled. How many children are we going to have? I said one. She said two. Obviously, she won. You can all testify she won that battle. But the reason was not because are we going to have money to take care of them. That was not the plan. The reason was because, listen, I'm going to spend half of my life traveling. We're going to be moving from place to place planting churches. You don't want to be dragging six and seven children moving all the time. That's purpose-driven. Your purpose will shape everything about your life. It will shape the choice of your wife. It will shape... Um, um, shape the number of children you're going to have. It's not God is bringing them. God will take care of them. No. Is there a purpose? It, is, it, but if the Lord has called you to raise a family, maybe I've called you to be an example of being fruitful and multiply what God originally meant for Adam, that you are the one that God wants to use to show the world how fruitful you can be. Perfect. You can have 14, 15 children. It doesn't make you uh, more better than the man who has won or the man who has known. Because when we start comparing our lives, these are the things we're going to start using to compare our lives. How many children does he have? Uh, three, no. Add one. Add one more. You know, it's almost like go to the supermarket and pick and complete the figure. Then you now hear even, even sane believers say, what do you have? Three girls. Ah, no. You don't have boys. Say no. Say please, add it. It's a boy that will carry your family name. And this is supposed to be a child of God speaking. This is supposed to be a child of God speaking. And in the process of looking for a boy, they've gone six, seven, ten down the line. And tomorrow, the Lord calls them to ministry. Then they remember, I have ten school fees to pay. Ten lesson fees. Now, I'm not saying that having too many children, I'm just giving an example, so don't get offended. Do, do you follow what I'm trying to say? Or the Lord has called you to be adventurous, to go out there and do business. Let's even leave ministry. Be a businessman who takes risk. And then you get married to a woman who, if you make 1,000 hour profit, we, just, we better die here. No, don't, don't lose this money. And then all your life, deep within you, is this call to go out there and be a kingdom financier, you got married to someone who, no way, we're just fine. So the key is, are you serving your generation, listen now, according to the will of God, not according to the will of your generation? Because every generation have a definition of what success is. Praise God. Our father's generation had definition of what success is. What, what was that? Now, I'm not too sure, but probably large family, uh, big farm, <laughs> right? Our own generation has 
a definition of success. Your children's generation is going to come up and have also what? A definition of success. But we must be careful as children of God not to be moved by the world's definition of success. The only definition of success that we know and we live by is doing what? Fulfilling God's plan for our life. If that plan takes you to the synagogue, it's fine. If it takes you to the wilderness, it's fine. It doesn't mean that the man preaching in the synagogue is more successful than the man preaching in the wilderness. They all have uh, various geographical locations to their assignment. Is that okay? Because if you're not comfortable in what God has called you to do, you will be running a lost case. Like Tunde Bakari will say, Pastor Tunde Bakari will say, you will be pursuing what is not lost. So we found out the several areas David served. The first thing is David served his father. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 15 to 34. I'm just doing a recap. David served his father. How did David serve his father looking after his father's sheep? You see, there's no man who became great that did not start with service. You know what I, I, I realize and I keep saying? Greatness is not a prayer point. It's not something you pray about. It's something you serve into. Praise God. Because one of, the, one of the things we've done a lot, in, in, especially in the Christian race, is we've reduced everything to one service. What I mean is this. We're going to have this one anointing service. We're going to anoint you. We're going to lay hands on you. And as you live here, you're going to become a great man. And the problem is, I'm going to talk about that on, on, on Sunday, uh, on skill. The problem is we're anointing people who don't have the habit to sustain success. Praise God. Are you still here? Okay. So David served his father by looking after the sheep. Then David served his brothers by taking food to them. 1 Samuel 16 and 17. You're going to find all of this. Verse 17 to 18. He took food to his brothers. Look at how simple that is. Taking food to your brothers. Because when we talk about service, then people are going to look for where, what are the big ways we can serve. No. Just simple things. Learning to serve people. Took food to his brothers. The next one, he served King Saul. How did he serve King Saul? By playing the guitar for him when the man was demon-possessed. Simple. Just play the guitar. You know, some of us, especially if we are in the music industry, or I don't know whether we should call it industry, but it's almost becoming an industry now. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting at home and I'm watching TV, with my wife and we see this Christian musician come up and like most everybody do a video you just watch and you just know that listen there's no presence in this thing there's no anointing here everybody is just some will just jump into the canoe in the middle of the river they are just paddling and singing and you're asking yourself what exactly do you want to pass across things are just disjointed in fact for some the video is more distracting because then you don't you don't get the music am I alone or okay but you don't want to say now. You're looking at me like, yeah, what are you saying? Okay. So those in the music, whatever. When David, the aim of David going to play for King Saul was not to wax an album. He went there on assignment by God to drive demons away. He wasn't inviting demons with his songs. He was driving them away. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Can you be that anointed? That when you play the keyboard and there's a demon-possessed person, the demons leave. Or when you stay on the keyboard, then we have two demons. But by the time you're done 
Like 15 show up. Because then you are rehearsing with all the secular musicians in the world. Those are your mentors. So you only play church music on Sunday morning. But on Monday, you're rehearsing with a drug addict. You're rehearsing with all kinds of people. Because I've heard people say, well, uh, any music you listen to do not matter. Sir, it matters. If the music from David could cast out demons, it also means that if music can cast out demons, it also means music can bring demons. That's why you don't play worship song in the club. Because you can't shake your bomb with a worship song. Can we? Okay, you're doing like you don't know now. Like, uh, I don't really understand. Is that a Greek word for something? Yes. It won't work, right? Can it work? Can you go to the club and say, I surrender all to you? No. Why? Because that's not the environment for that, for that kind of music. Why? Because that music is going to cause conviction in the heart of certain people. So what you listen to is important. No music leaves you the same. Praise God. Okay. I was expecting a very low amen. Because I know some of you have stacks. Born again, but still there. Who's your favorite musician, fella? The man can talk sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you wonder why you're not growing spiritually. He served King Saul. And how did he serve King Saul? Just by playing the guitar. No act of service is too insignificant in your road to becoming great. No act of service. It doesn't matter. Listen, listen. Going to someone's house to help them iron, to help them get their car washed, to help clean the house, it is not just that you're looking for money. It's your path to greatness. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, we must never feel ashamed of any act of service we're rendering. Don't ever feel ashamed. You know, some people are ashamed of their jobs. Don't ever feel ashamed. If you're rendering service, you are on the path to greatness. Are, are you still here? Okay. Now, he served um, the nation of Israel by killing Goliath. So we saw that David started serving from his father's house. He didn't start by killing Goliath. He started by what? Serving his father. And if he had not responded to his father's uh, request to take food to his brothers, he might not have gotten the chance to hear what Goliath was saying. It tells us that the doors of opportunities are locked up in service. Right? Right? The doors of opportunities are, are what? They're locked up in service. It is when, when you are praying for an open door, what God gives you is a service door. He gives you an opportunity to serve. And in that opportunity is the door. So you realize that most people who became great, they went to greatness on the path of servitude. And they were not serving to become great. They were just serving because they wanted to serve. And it's important. This is really important. How do we serve? Number one, we serve willingly. Anybody who is serving has to serve willingly. It has to come from your heart. There is nothing like having somebody serving you who is not willing. 
<laughs> it can be frustrating. You know, I, I, it, as I began to teach this series, I began, a lot of scriptures began to come to my head. I'm just like, wow, God, I can see this clearly. Look at Nehemiah, for instance. When Nehemiah took the cup to the king, right, in Nehemiah chapter 1 and chapter 2, the king said, what is wrong with you? You have never been sad in my presence before. Wow. Remember, and I'm going to deal with that on Sunday. I pray I remember by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Nehemiah was a slave. How many of us would serve joyfully as slaves serving the king? And the king said it. The king said it. The king said it with his mouth. You have never been sad in my presence before. What's wrong? And Nehemiah said, well, where my father's dwell lies in ruins. Why will I be happy? And you know what? Come on now. Because of that, the king gave him a letter and gave him resources to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And this boy who was a cupbearer to king rebuilt Jerusalem in 52 days without having money in his bank account. That's greatness. How did he have that resources? He was serving the king wine without offense. I'm going to deal with that on Sunday because the reason most of us don't serve is offense. We are angry at our boss. We are angry at our wife. We are angry at everything. Angry at the landlord. Angry, you, you are just angry. Angry at President Buhari. Angry at the fact that you came from Nigeria. You know there are people who are just angry that they are Nigerians. They are just angry. And you ask yourself, where will that anger, when will you ever overcome that anger? Any small thing, if it was Europe, if it was Europe, you have been saying if it was Europe for 30 years, will wisdom not tell you that you might never get there? Just anger. And so everything is out of offense. Everything out of offense. If Nehemiah was somebody who used to get angry and he was angry that day, the king would just say, well, change him. This is one of his days. But he says, you've never been sad in my presence. The same thing with Joseph. Why did God trust Nehemiah to build the walls of Jerusalem? He had a servant heart. We must serve willingly. Don't serve with anger. Are you following what I'm saying? Listen, as you go, let, let me tell you something. If you're in this ministry, treat your job properly. Don't, you see, I'll tell people this. Oh, this job, they are just using me. They are just using me. They are not paying enough. Drop your resignation later. You were not shamed to the job. If someone has employed you and you agree this is what they're going to pay me, take responsibility for your emotions. Or you drop, there's no use complaining about where you're working. You are releasing a curse. Oh, you know, I, I know how some people are just, oh, this are, there's no money here. This is, look at what other people are earning. Look at what other people are earning. They just resign. Thinking that they're going to earn more. It's been five years. Then they start calling the boss back. Is there any space? No space. Don't make hurry decisions. Are you following what I'm saying? You have to, your life, God has your life mapped out. Follow that plan. Do what you can. Live what you can, live where you can afford. Drive what you can afford. Wear what you can afford. And be at peace with yourself. You cannot prosper with discontentment. Grumbling and prosperity cannot go together. 
I believe, and I absolutely believe, you can be happy wherever you are if you choose to be happy. If you are in one room, you want to be happy, you will be happy. If you are in a mansion, you don't want to be happy, you will not be happy. Happiness is not where you're living. Happiness is your choice. And you have to control your emotions. Because the more you get angry, the more you will not be able to serve. You cannot serve with offense. Are we still together? Okay? You have to serve promptly. You have to do it promptly. You don't have to drag your feet. Let's look at this now. How does God command us to serve? Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ephesians chapter 6. Paul was writing. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 6. <laughs> Praise God. You know, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 6. Um, now, I, I want, when we read this passage, I want you to have a background in your mind. Remember, we are writing, we are reading a writing that was written to the, to the, Rome, to the, to the, to the believers in Rome. Uh, in, in Ephesus, sorry, about the time where um, slave slavery was still in in um, well, was still like an acceptable culture, and there were some believers who were slaves, like uh, Philemon, Onesimus, and that whole story. So there were believers like that who were slaves, and they got born again. They became children of God, but they were still slaves. And so Paul needed to address them because it was a very dicey situation. It was a dicey situation because you could be in a church where you had the master, right? The master is a member of, of the church, and then the slave is also a member of the church. And so Paul had to address them now. Now, when they come to church, they're no longer masters and slaves, as it were. They were now brothers in Christ. But when they go back home, then you need to fit into your role. So Paul needed to write and address that and give them what the scripture or the mind of Christ concerning this. Can we read from verse 5? Bond servants, who are bond servants now? I've explained that to you here before. There's a difference between bond servants and servants. Bond servants in the scriptures are servants who had earned their freedom. Now, they have earned their freedom either in the year of Jubilee, which is the 50th year. Every 50 years, you have to let the slaves go free. Or they have bought their freedom, wherever they got their freedom. Now, but when a servant gets his freedom and says, no, I don't want to go. I still want to serve. Then he becomes a bond servant. It's a very strong term. Paul uses that for himself regarding Christ. So go on. He says, Bond servant, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. Now you see Paul inserts that there, says according to the flesh. Why was he saying according to the flesh? Because now these bond servants are now Christians. So actually, their master is God. Are we together? Say amen if you're here. Alright, but now he says, these are your masters according to the flesh. So he was not saying, you cannot say, well, I, I don't fear any man. I fear only God. I don't fear only... You and God will not be able to do anything. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are going, you, you, you fear God, but you are also going to fear man. Because you're going to walk within the rank of men. Don't think God will do anything in your life apart from men. Because if we develop that theology, we're going to treat people anyhow, just thinking that God is going to bypass people and help us. No, God works in and through men. 
Even when Cornelius needed to have the Holy Ghost, what did, he, what did the Bible say? But the Bible says, the, the, the Lord appeared to Cornelius and said, send for Peter. The Lord did not baptize Cornelius himself. The scripture says, while Peter was yet speaking, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them that heard him. So God needed Peter to speak for the Holy Ghost to fall on Cornelius. Now, this is very important because we have this worldview. Don't worry, it is me and God. Let everybody leave me, only me and God. If everybody leave you, only you and God, you will be frustrated. God is going to use men. Luke chapter 6, Give, it shall be given unto you, good measure, praise, and shaking together, running over, shall God do, do what? Cause what? Men to do what? To give to your bosom. So you are giving, but how is God going to release your harvest? Your harvest is going to come through men. How does God test our love? First John, uh, uh, first John. If you don't love your brother you see, you cannot say you love God. Can you see that? That the context of God is in humanity. Praise God. Okay, so let's read on now. So you understand the background to that story. Bond servant, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling. Look at it. This was Paul talking to believers. Respect those you work for. Respect your manager. Whether you like the man or not, he's earned it. Respect your boss. Don't say, don't talk to me because I'm your sales girl. I'm also a human being. Yes, you're a human being that sells. Because sometimes, and I must be honest with you, because sometimes we have this thing that like, you know, I'm a believer. God can do this. God, God can't, but God is not going to break the protocol of scriptures. If we read scriptures properly, we know how God says we should treat people. If you think it's easy to own a business, go build one. If you think it's easy to start a company, go build one. And absolutely, if you think it's easy to start a church, go start one. Whether we like it or not, as children of God, let us give honor to those who have been able to build something in their life. Are you following what I'm saying? Building anything is not easy. How many of you know, don't raise your hand. How many of you know friends who have started business and the business is no more? I know you know a lot of them. How many of you even know people who have started business and could not employ anybody? I remember after we started our bookshop, after a while, we looked at what we were selling, we looked at the, peop the, the money we were giving out in terms well, using to pay staff. I mean, it was almost like there was no profit. We had to start rotating. So imagine you now have a man or a woman who can pay you monthly and employs you as a staff. That man has tried. Because sometimes the people are even running at a loss. But they're just keeping you there. Hoping that one day the business will, will scale through. And here you are, feeling like they're not doing anything. Like if you see how much they have. You know, it's amazing. Sometimes you know how much the church has. And yet you're not in the accounting department. You just look at the church and say, don't worry, they have money. Ah, this is not a pastor. The man has. <laughs> Why is it that you don't have? Okay. Your problem is not what people have. You have one responsibility. Have you been called to serve? Serve with your heart. Are we, to, are we still together? Okay. So, 
with fear and trembling. In sincerity of heart. Now, we are looking at how God wants us to serve. We're looking at God's standard. You are serving with what? Sincerity of heart. Meaning that because we've taught on service as key to greatness, you are not serving as a tool to become great. That is not your motivation now because if that becomes your motivation, then your motive is corrupted. Right. Like if I'm serving this guy because of what I can get, the day I realize I'm not getting, even the things I've done for him before, I'll go and scatter everything again. Why? Because my motive actually was not to serve. Are we still together? I mean, you find it all the time. Somebody comes to church and, oh, wow, praise the Lord. The Lord just sent us to this church. Immediately we just enter. We just fell at peace. Ah, peace like this. Ah. And when you are preaching, it's just if I'm hearing Jesus. Ah, you know, and all of those things. And then two months down the line, something happens. Bam, they're out. And then they say, man. And they start saying stuff they shouldn't say. The reason is because they were not serving with sincerity of heart. You employ someone, something goes wrong, you drop them off, bam, they are not serving with sincerity of heart. And you know what? I don't think we will ever become great if we don't pass this test. The test of service. And not just service. Now, I'm raising it a bit higher. Serving with what? Sincerity of heart. Heart is just pure. You know, everything about God is, is about the heart, right? Everything about God is about the heart. Now, the funny thing is that man cannot test the sincerity of your heart, but God knows. And whose power can actually make you great? God. Praise God. Are we still together? All right. As to Christ. You're serving as to Christ. That means you see your master, you see the person you're working for, you say, I'm doing this as to Christ. As to Christ. When I look at my life today, it's almost, it's almost true. Because when I got into ministry, I mean, the first eight years of ministry, I was just committed to serving my dad. Just making sure things, I mean, just getting to serve him. That's just my heart. I wasn't like, oh, I was going to plant a church. You know, I knew I would pastor a church. But, but when I look at the things I do today, I just see them more like, it's just the reward and the grace of God and the mercy of God. They are not things you can plan. They are not things you can set up well in five years. I'm going to be here. No, it's just the grace and the mercy of God. That scripture that we started with, Zechariah chapter 4, becomes true. That is not by might, it's not by power, but it is by my spirit. Joseph could not have plotted his way to become the, the number two man in Egypt. There's no way you can plot that. Number one, you're not a citizen of Egypt. Number two, there's already a number two. <laughs> Praise God. But in prison, he served. The Bible says he served so well that the warden committed the care of the prison to him. Can you, can you see that kind of service? We're going to deal with that on Sunday. I'm really excited about that. Because imagine if we were all thrown into prison for being wrongly accused. Are you going to serve? No. For what? You're going to tell everybody your story. See, why are you here? So I killed like three people. See me? I didn't even kill one person. Not even mosquito. It's this wicked Potiphar's wife. She said, why are you here? Man, I stole. And I didn't steal. If I had known, I would have even stolen. At least I would know. Do you know? That's what Joseph is going to be telling everybody. Come on, how many of us agree that's what Joseph is going to do? 
That's what I am going to do. Because most times we're trying to justify ourselves instead of just keeping quiet and serving and allowing God to do what he wants to do in our life. We're trying to prove to everybody else that we are right and the whole world is wrong. I'm sure Joseph would have even stopped church for the member of a church. Stop praying. You know, there are people like that. When things go wrong, they throw the Bible back at God. I don't understand when things go wrong and people take it against the church. Something goes wrong, they stop coming to church. It's almost like, let's pay God back. If we don't go, let's see how his kingdom will advance. You know what I thought to myself today? I, I, in reading all of church history, all kinds of things have, have come against the church. But God in his infinite mercy, the church has always triumphed above everything. Both good, both bad, both ugly has come against the church. I believe strongly when the word of God says I'll build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail, nothing can stop the advancement of God's true church. It doesn't matter the wrong practices, it doesn't matter the corrupt practices, it doesn't matter what goes wrong or whatever, God's church is going to advance. Joseph didn't take that out against God. He was still the one meeting other people and saying, hey, come on, why are you served? What happened? He was still serving people in prison. There is no condition we are in right now that we cannot serve. And not just serve, there's no condition we are in right now that we cannot serve with joy. Say amen. amen. Okay. You're not too poor not to be able to serve. You're not too rich not to be able to serve. We all can serve with sincerity of heart, purity of motives, serving us to Christ. Verse 6. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So you see that here, the Bible in Ephesians 6, 6, equates service to the will of God. Can you see that? Say amen if you're saying it. Alright. It says... Not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as born servant of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or is a free man. Remember what I told you. Paul was addressing slaves and free men. He says, listen, whether you're a slave or you're a free man, if you would serve as unto the Lord, if you would do your service as from, un, uh, uh, if you would do your service from your heart as unto the Lord, not as men please us, he says you receive good from the Lord. It doesn't matter your condition. Whether you're a house help, whether you're a school teacher, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a housewife, whether you're a, a, a houseman, whoever you are, just serve. Save your family. Save your husband. Save your wife. Sometimes when you're saving your wife, people are going to say, well, I don't understand that man. The, the wife has just, has just, ah. And he will say he's a man. No, they are trying to drag you away from the path of greatness. Serve your wife. Save your family. Praise God. Serve. Every time we serve people, we always look weak. We always look like we are being used. 
but serve. The word eye service in the Greek means service performed only under the master's eye. That means you serve only when the master is around. When your boss is around, wow, you are working. Even though what you are typing does not make sense, you are just typing, typing and sweating. I say, ah, this girl can walk. We are just typing. And immediately the man just leaves. Ah, ah, thank God. Log on Facebook. Start commenting. You've left your work. Immediately you hear the man coming. Ah, start typing again. Start typing. The man will not say, ah, please go home. You have been working since morning. Say, ah, thank you, sir. Only God will bless you. You know, God is seeing your heart. God is seeing your heart. Praise God. When your husband comes, then you are just walking, walking, cleaning window, climbing chairs. Ah, this is my wife can clean. <laughs> Even things you shouldn't clean on the ceiling, you are just climbing. That's just... Immediately the man leaves. Z-world. Cross leg, I mean, drinking malt and watching TV. Bible calls that as eye service, serving only when the master's eye is on you. Praise God. When it's your time to sing, give you the lead mic. Boom! The stage is no longer enough. Sing and jump down, charge the whole church. When is your time to do backup? Like an Egyptian statue, just there. Eye service. So that when people see your name, say, man, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy. <laughs> Where is God? Every one of us in this place this evening, there's a degree of eye service in us. We just need to pray that the Lord will help us with it. There are people that we, we serve. Charlie, when you know that this guy can, can sort me out, then you are even cleaning things you shouldn't clean. Clean the car, you go under. Cleaning the engine. You guys say, take it easy. Say, no, let's clean the engine. There must be no dust in this car. <laughs> we can't see your works, but we can't see your heart. But if God is going to reward you, he's going to reward you because of your heart. You need to get your heart right. Praise God. I, I, I went together. You need to get your heart right. Serve. Listen, it won't take anything. It won't take God anything to make you great. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You know, today I got a call from, from someone who watched us on TV. And uh, she's based in Jos, the pastor. And she said, I watched you once. I went to your website, downloaded all your messages. And uh, I've got a couple of pastors in the Caribbean. And I've been sending all your messages to them. And I just, you know, after I finished speaking with her, I just sat there like, what does it really take for God to open doors for someone in the nations? It's as simple as that. It's, it's just as simple as that. It's the same thing. You can be serving someone, and one day, they're just talking and just say, oh, I need somebody to just help me with this. And you just know, I, I know someone. You know, when you say, I know someone, and you pull that call through, you know, that guy is coming on the basis of your integrity. They're not going to ask the person, what's your CV? What did you study in school? Who, who, who is your grandfather? Which generational cost were you delivered from before you got here? Nobody's going to ask you all of those nonsense. They'll just get you. And the truth of the matter is you don't know where your greatness, your greatness is going to come from, God, but you don't know the channel that God is going to use. 
And when you serve with eye service, what you have tried to tell God is, God, I know this is the only man that can help me. And so I'm going to serve him well, and I'm going to treat the rest of the world as nothing. And God says, you're absolutely wrong. Who helped Joseph to now become the prime minister of Egypt? The guy he interpreted dream for in prison. The question is, whoever thinks in his mind that when God showed Joseph that he was going to become a ruler, it was somebody who was going to be locked up in prison that was going to be the key. Rather, if we look at the trajectory of Joseph's life, or if we look at the line of Joseph's life, who do you think Joseph will really serve with his heart? Pot, um, uh, Potiphar. Right. Because Potiphar was the one who has the real capacity to help him. But was it Potiphar that helped him? Absolutely no. Rather, things got worse for him there. Those people you think are the ones that are going to get your life and your ministry up, those are the places you're going to receive the greatest disappointment of your life. I'll say amen to that. And then, <laughs> from there, if you handle that disappointment properly, you will receive your lifting. And that's what I want to deal with on Sunday. Because that's where people get stuck. Immediately that disappointment comes, they pull back. I'm not going to serve again. Look at what I did for Potiphar's wife. And that woman. Ah, I served that like my bitterness, anger. Once they see anybody serving again, they start sowing bitterness. You are serving like that. Hey, let me tell you my story. That is how I served for 13 years. Look at where I am. Don't serve like that. So. And you they become apostles of discrediting anything good. And before you know, they have built up anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, grumbling, and somehow you are you're trying to connect their life. This person is so good. He serves so well. Why are they not moving forward? Check it. They hit the brick wall. You see a man who lovingly serves his wife, a woman who lovingly serves her husband, and maybe something happens, a disappointment comes in, and then bam, I'm not doing it again. I'm not doing and before you know, marriage is broken. You're like, but these guys had a good marriage. They didn't handle disappointment well. Life will happen to every one of us. We will have seasons of massive disappointment. There will be seasons in our life that will look like everything God told us, no one is coming to pass. Even the ones that are coming to pass looks like they have stopped coming to pass. That's the season to serve with sincerity of heart. Praise God. Are we still together? All right. Not as uh, I service... Mm. as men pleasers but serving as what? as born servants the word servant is dwellers a slave the one who gives himself up to another's will those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men devoted the word servant means devoted to another with disregard to one's own interest I, I, I just wanted to look at this verse. I, 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 I plead with you, please, tonight, get back home and read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 to 6 from different translations. Just put it on your, on your internet. Just put Ephesians 5, 6. Read it from different translations. And, and, and meditate on it. Make your life line up with it. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, you know I, I, as I was meditating on this, I also felt that about a minister of the gospel. As a minister of the gospel, and how do I apply this into my life? Do I preach in a certain way when I see certain people in the congregation knowing that, man, if these guys enjoy my message, then we're going to have the bills for the TV paid? Praise God. 
Or you get certain invitations and you're like, man, if I make that invitation, bam, the honorarium they are going to give to me will be massive. You get an invitation somewhere, I look at them, I'm like, no, I'm going to spend more money going to these guys. You know, we can't make ministry like profit and loss, right? Like if I go here, I'll lose money. If I go here, I'll gain money. No, no, a thousand times no. We go where the Lord wants us to go. Praise the name of the Lord. I just want to read it from the Amplified and we can close because of our time. But I, I, I need it to be early on Sunday. I want to really build on this on Sunday because this is very key. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your earthly masters res- with, with respect for authority and with a sincere heart seeking to please them as service to Christ. I'll say it again. Anywhere you are walking, put your heart there. They might not be able to reward you like you deserve, but the Lord has got your reward. Don't join people who complain about where they are working. I beg you, don't join them. It's a blessing, quarter. Don't join them. I'll just say this quickly. Uh, and, and I remember, uh, I told you here many times, I remember one time I joined the pastor's association, and then I went in for the first meeting, the second meeting, the third meeting. I discovered I was always complaining. Ah, bunny people don't do this. Bunny people, ah. and I, my wife, you know, she, I mean, just pointed out to me that, I just realized, no, I wasn't complaining like this before. What's going on? And I realized it was the association. So I asked them, how much is your dues for two years? They told me, I paid for three years. I don't show up. My dues show up for me. Why? Because I realized that the more I got into their midst, the more I got discouraged with the work, the more I complained. It happens or not, I'm giving you my example. This is not about just because you're walking. It happens on every sphere. Are you following what I'm saying? Once you get into an atmosphere where people are complaining about service, pull yourself away from that because it's going to contaminate your heart. The next time you go to job, to your work, you're just walking and say, look at them. Look at them. Wicked people. They have money. They are paying us these peanuts. I mean, you, I mean, listen, listen, saints, listen. The truth of the matter is that nobody is going to pay you enough to get your life going, you have to trust on the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, so let me just read this and then we can close. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your earthly masters with respect for authority and with sincere hearts seeking to please them as service to Christ, not in a way of eye service, amplified, I'm using amplified, working only when someone is watching you and only to please men, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Rendering service with goodwill as to the Lord and not only to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, he will receive this back from the Lord, whether he is slave or what? Or free. Then in verse 9, he addresses the masters, but that's not what we're talking about tonight. Praise the name of the Lord. We're going to pick up from here on Sunday, but I want to, I want to challenge you. Listen, serve with purity of heart. Serve even when you're disappointed. Don't cut back on your service when things go wrong. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you tonight. And we ask that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that our hearts will be purified to serve. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.